BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Happy Friday, people. I am here at Samsung today. I'm like living in this studio because I'm actually recording three back to back, trying to really stockpile all these episodes. And I'm here with someone who some of you may know if you're in my life, but a close real world, as I call it, friend, Julia Pallier. Welcome. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. So excited to be here. Um, So Jules and I met, what was it, like three, four years ago now? Yeah, about Ish. that. Yeah, through Emily. Emily, who has been a guest on the show, Emily Bina, um, and have become very good friends. Another also guest, Ashley LaFond. Yeah. Or Highway, whatever we want to call her now. <laughs> Lo, we got to get you on the show. Come back to New York. Um, but we'll get into this. But one of the reasons I wanted to have Jules on here is because I think, A, like people love to hear any type of conversation to begin with. But I think it's fun for people to listen to conversations of people who are close and like have a more inside relationship with me where like we understand each other. But also I've noticed that a lot of the guests I have on here are people who have like quit their corporate jobs and followed some type of dream to start some thing on their own. And while incredible and inspirational, I hope those conversations are, I realize that a large amount of my listeners are still working in the corporate world. And, you know, that's amazing. Maybe they won't be their own boss one day. And there's a lot to be said for the fact of having like a steady corporate job. And there are a lot of things I miss. Um, So I wanted to have you on here to talk about like being in the corporate world, being a boss bitch, because you are, (laughs) and balancing everything. While working for the man. Yeah, while working for the man, (laughs) being a boss bitch, and also like doing everything you do because you cease to amaze me. So Jules. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. (laughs) She's like a freaking managing director, and she runs investments at a family office. So let's get down to it. Okay, I'm ready. How would you define success? (laughs) In the hot seat. Yeah, really? Um, What I love about this question is I would have answered it so differently five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. And when I think about it today, I think success for me is living a life that I love. And I think Mm -hmm. that incorporates, of course, financial and career success, but it also really means that I am excited about what I'm doing every day. I love my friends and family, and I feel like I have the opportunity to give back more than I'm taking. Yeah. Um, You're a big giver. I was actually, (laughs) thank you. Um, I was actually just at a summit and heard uh, Deepak Chopra talking about happiness. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. When I was in Abu Dhabi, it was amazing. Wow. And he was talking about a study that looks at how happiness is defined. And it was fascinating because 10% of your happiness comes from financial success. Mm-hmm. And it's really in the extreme. So if you're extremely poor and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from to support your family, you're unhappy. Right. Or if you're extremely wealthy and you think that happiness is defined by the amount of money that you have, mm-hmm. you're unhappy because you never have enough. Yeah. Um, everything in the middle doesn't really add or subtract from your level of happiness. Um, 50%, I think he says, is defined by 
whether or not you see life as an opportunity or as a problem. So it's like your approach and your perspective of life. And then 40% is how you give back to others and your friends and your family. So like 90% of happiness is based on how you approach life and the relationships and interactions that you have around you. I really enjoy that breakdown a lot. I really enjoy that. And I think what you're saying is rings so true for me because I know and I've I've really acknowledged this about myself. When I'm giving back and doing certain things within my company that I'm not, you know, financially benefiting from, mm-hmm. but I'm I feel as if I'm in a service of helping others, yeah. that's when I feel lit up and that's when I love what I'm doing. And it can be so simple as I spoke at my middle school the other day and I was not getting paid to do that. It was nothing. But for me, I felt like I was giving back to a school that gave me so much. 100%. And obviously that's not really like that charitable of work, but it was still the fact of like paying it forward. Yeah. And I left feeling so like alive. It's so good. And it's so meaningful for people there to be able to hear from someone like you. Mm-hmm. And I can relate because I went back to my high school of course and you did. visited my, my <laughs> high school math teacher who truly like changed the path of my life because yep. I, the only reason I went into business was because I liked numbers and was good at math because of her. And basically was crying. <laughs> we were both in tears. <laughs> and it was such a special moment because teachers can have the ability to make such an impact of your life. Absolutely. And we very seldom take the time to actually go back and, and share with them what we've done with that yeah. knowledge or experience. Teachers and coaches are big yeah. for me. And I actually like I have so much appreciation for it's really interesting. One of my coaches who I only had him for I think two years, my high school soccer coach and He's not – he was an amazing guy, but he's not the coach that, like, sticks out in my mind as, like, the coach that changed me. Yeah. But every Christmas, he texts his captains from every year that he's coached wow. and gives us, like, a recap of how the team is doing and then, like, sends a personal message. He's like, you know, I know you got a dog this year. Like, Wow. And it's so sweet. And I have such respect for that. Like, yeah, just holding on to that relationship. But – Another thing you said, which is something I love so much about you, is how hard you love. I think it's the same as how hard you give. Like, you just love so hard and your emotions, <laughs> like, you wear them on your sleeve, oh, yeah. which I They're fucking just love. Out there. <laughs> like, how many times you'll send a photo of you just hysterically crying, listening to one of these listening podcasts. To this podcast. I'm like, wow, Cammy, like, your conversation with X, Y, and Z person, like, I'm just, number one, in tears because I'm so proud. Number two, what you said, like, it made an impact on I my day. I love you. Like, I love you so much, it hurts. I also have to Acknowledge that you are the Julia that I mentioned nonstop in the Ziva episode. I oh forgot about that. <laughs> Ziva's number one pitcher right here in the flesh. I, well, it's like when when you love something so much and when it's had such a profound impact, like I just can't help but want to share that with the world. Of course. <laughs> I, I really trust me, I appreciate it because I was on Full the receiving side pusher. of it. Yes. Pusher, but in you're the best welcome. way. <laughs> and you're welcome. Um, so why don't you give everyone listening a little bit of information on what you do and how you got there? Because I know, yeah. you know, you grew up in Toronto. Yeah. You don't I, really have an accent. I've lived in New York now for 10 years. And so okay. I think it's a little bit muted. Although I know when I first moved down here, yeah. people distinctly noticed it. It's more just the, the like, terms you use. You and, say sorry. And like a bather and a barbecue. Right, like you just use right, different words. Right. Um, yeah. So grew up in Toronto. Um, I actually grew up, my whole family is in the profession of law. So my parents are lawyers. My sister ended up becoming a lawyer. Um, her husband as well. And I think the impact that that had growing up was my parents put a really strong emphasis on um, the impact that we want to have in the world and how are we using the good fortune that we have to be born in Toronto um, at the time that we were to actually impact the lives of people around us. And um, I wasn't ready at that time to fully embrace it and and at a young age recognize that I was good at math and mm-hmm. I didn't love English. And really that was what prompted me to do business undergrad. And I always thought um, I would pursue 
what challenged me intellectually, and then I would find other ways to give back. So I did business undergrad. I worked on the um, credit uh, derivatives desk at a big Canadian bank all my summers. I joined them full time when I graduated, uh, moved down to New York with that firm, um, and spent the better part of five years um, on the trading floor structuring derivatives and loved it actually. I learned so much. I was, I had a phenomenal team there. Um, and then one day I looked around and didn't, no longer felt like I was getting the fulfillment that I wanted from what yep. I was doing. And I didn't really know where to look from there. I didn't know what existed in it in the world of finance outside of working at a bank. Mm-hmm. And my dad at the time encouraged me to start working with an executive coach, which I did. And that's probably around the time I started meditating um, and had coffees with a bunch of people and ended up learning about the world of family offices. Um, so I, I pivoted, um, joined a private equity work firm specifically working with families and learning okay. about what they want to invest in. Um, and a family office, just to explain, is... Um, I was just going to say. It's it's a newer term that has emerged that really is um, a family that chooses to manage their wealth in-house or a portion of it in-house. And, and every family is different, so every family office looks very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but more and more we're seeing that... Um, people, if they have the capacity to choose where they're investing and take a more active role in it, they would rather do that than outsource to a JP Morgan or a larger firm. Right. Um, so I currently now I'm working for a family managing their investments and it gives me the opportunity to meet so many cool so founders many. that are building businesses that will generate significant returns and and be really profitable businesses, but at the same time are also solving real problems and mm-hmm. have the capacity to change the world in one way or another. So I I feel fortunate in that I was able to um, find more purpose and fulfillment within the world of finance. Right. Um, and it's, a, it's an area that I didn't even really know existed uh, before I went down that path of discovery. Yeah. And I always think it's really interesting. I was actually having this conversation last night with someone about like different areas within a bank because I know when I called my mom and felt I kind of had that moment that you are exactly explaining where you looked around and all of a sudden it was like, wait, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I don't mm-hmm. feel passionate or like super interested by what's going on here. And I had that conversation with my parents of just saying, I don't think this is for me, but I don't know what is right. for me. Right. And it was still when Freckled Foodie was such a question and will it ever be able to become something? And my mom really encouraged we knew. me. We knew. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my friends did continuously tell me that it was time. But like I said, it took me getting hit by a car to really like Oof. acknowledge the fact that it had to happen. Um, but my mom was always saying – Look in other industries within finance. There's so much. There's so many areas within a bank. Like you don't have to just be in sales and trading at JP. You could be doing so many things within JP. And so I always have so much respect for the people that actually then, oh, I'm dying at the shirt you're wearing right now. (laughs) It's Um, from Tokyo. (laughs) I love it. They have the best vintage shopping you she will ever imagine. She has a shirt imagine. with all of these nuns carrying <laughs> machine guns that say rage against the machine. It's um, a classic. <laughs> but anyway, I have so much respect for the people who did pivot within the industry and find something that they love. Because I do think maybe at some point later in my life, there will be a small piece of me that's like, should I have maybe tried a little harder of finding no, something? But on no. your path. Okay, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but it's a good point in that it's it's like a lot of things in life. You have to take the initiative and then discover what fits for you. And, um, you know, it, it took probably six months of just conversations with different yeah. people saying, like, what do you do? What do you like about it? What are you interested in? Can you introduce me to anybody that you think um, might be relevant for what my experience is or what I'm looking for? And through that web of connections, you end up meeting people and I prefer that so much to like a, a recruiting or Definitely. official channel. And I will say you're probably the most inquisitive person I know, which is another incredible characteristic about you. But you always have questions. 
And thank you. It's I think really obviously been beneficial to you and the success that you've mastered. But I'm curious what advice you would give because I know a lot of listeners. I get a lot of DMs of people saying, I'm just stuck in my job. I'm not happy. You know, I do think that I've had conversations with people who I know and my advice to them is always assess what what specifically do you not enjoy about your job? And yeah. then what do you enjoy? And yeah. then let's have the conversations from there. So for you, you, you said that you went the route of having conversations with people rather than recruiters, but which I think is really... Yeah. in the long run, probably more beneficial. What advice would you give to people who are maybe feeling a little stuck in their careers but aren't like me who are ready to just right. jump into leap. something else yeah. because not everyone should? Right. Yeah, I think, I think taking a step back and looking at the elements of a job that are important to you, like what are those key elements that resonate with you that are going to make you feel – fulfilled even if it's not there are highs and lows of every job nobody's gonna love every second of it but the elements that are important to you and and like you said the things that aren't working and I found um coaching to be exceptionally helpful Mm -hmm. because it helps give you some of that perspective and and it forces you to think a little bit outside of the box but at the end of the day it's really getting curious like getting curious about um other opportunities that exist within your company, getting curious mm-hmm. about trying different things, not being afraid to ask, ask for more or ask for help, and just being willing to put yourself out there. Like, no one is going to offer you the perfect career or job on a silver platter. So, you just, it's really the willingness to try something new every day and say, like, okay, I'm going to explore learning about this or I'm going to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. I would, I did the rotational program my first year out of college. Um, and, and I was honestly, I was really intimidated going into it because there were MBA graduates. There were people that in my view, I deemed as smarter than me or better than me. And at the end of that year, I would say the feedback that I got around why I was successful in that program was because I asked a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and you have to recognize that there's always going to be someone that knows more than you, but the more you ask, the more you learn. And yep. people see that as you taking an interest. And and people love to talk about themselves. Love. So like just email a random person in your company and say, I'd love to learn more about what you do. Like nine times out of 10, maybe 10 times out of 10, people will say yes. yes. I agree. Um, and so I think that's a good first step is just getting curious about what other people are doing in your company or outside of it. I 100% agree. And I also think going into coffees with the mindset of like, you know, obviously I want to hear what you're doing, but like, tell me about this aspect. What are, you know, a little bit in depth of, cause I know yeah. for me, I've had like, I want to hear your story. I'm like, that's great. I tell my story to everyone. However, like a little bit of those second yeah. layer questions yeah. sets you apart and asking questions. I think, especially if you're in the finance industry, I remember my friend Tyler told me, I called him when I accepted the internship at JP, and he had been doing sales and trading at um, Jeffrey's, I think, at that time. And I called him and was like, what should I expect? What should I do? And I actually haven't told him that I still remember this, but I remember him saying, never act like you know something that you don't because the person who's talking to you knows what they're talking about. (laughs) So you have to be able to say, I don't know, but let me find out. And I think that's so important. I'm always very, very clear. I never like saying that I don't know things, but I've learned over time. You just have to. All the time. I'm like, I don't know. Oh my God. Like there's the smartest people in the world and you could talk about a field that's completely unrelated to what they know and they won't understand what you're talking about. And especially in finance, the words that they're using. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, what? Like even, you know, each desk is different in finance. So like we would say spot for a decimal. And I remember in the beginning, I'm like, oh, what yeah. is spot? Yeah. <laughs> like, what What are you all saying? Stupid <laughs> things like that. But you have to be able to stick your hand up and say, I don't know what's happening. Can yeah. someone teach me? Yeah. Not just, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. How can I learn? Yeah. My and first I, day, my first yeah. day when I moved to New York, um, I remember I was sitting next to my boss and he told me to build out a swap in an Excel spreadsheet. 
And I had I was just staring at a blank <laughs> spreadsheet Nightmare. and it was paralyzing. Like I literally, t- I don't, n- I don't even know how to pretend to start this. Yes. And then he taught me, and then I learned. And that's <laughs> and exactly, and it's fine. Yeah. And I also think on the flip side of that, if you're listening and you're maybe a little bit more senior and you're the one responsible for teaching others. Yeah. I think there's such a way to go about that process because I do vividly remember also during my internship sitting with someone like shadowing them on the rates desk when I was interning on that desk. And she was talking about like pension funds and I didn't know what that was. I was a sophomore in college. Like maybe I should have, I don't know, but I didn't. Right. And I remember being like, what's a, can you explain that? And she was so dismissive and like, you don't know what a pension fu- and Ooh, was just yeah, such a yeah. B-I-T-C-H about it that that for a little bit, like I was yeah, hesitant. Then you're afraid. Yeah, then you're you just, afraid. Yeah, so you, you can't take that stuff yeah. personally. You can't take that stuff personally. And then if you're on the flip side of it, like try and be just gracious. try and be gracious and <laughs> teach the person what they're asking. You yeah. know, they can ask once, you can teach them. If they're coming back asking the same questions, then you can have a conversation with them. And- Obviously, I want to talk a little bit about like the woman in the finance industry okay. aspect of everything. Yeah, I know now you're in a different place where it's not like you're on this huge team and everyone's a male, but I always have respect for the women like you who are doing such incredible things in the industry and we need more of them. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about A, how you... I guess feel within that role. Yeah. And then be where you think women in the industry are potentially going in the future. Yeah. Other than taking over the world. (laughs) I mean, number one, taking over the world. Uh, Number two, I, I feel lucky in that I had a great experience um, going through time on the trading floor um, and beyond. I think, um, I think in a sense it's the way that you perceive what's going on around you. So I saw it as a strength that I was mm-hmm. the only female because you, you any factor that differentiates you, you can choose to see it as a weakness or as a strength. Absolutely. But you are at least more likely to be remembered and to be set apart rather mm-hmm. than the 10 guys named Mike all wearing their their vests. Um, That said, there are definitely barriers and challenges to being in the minority. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's going to take time, but I think it's something that's really important. And all of the firms are trying to figure out how to attract and retain women, but it actually takes – really supporting and championing women leadership at the senior level. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, I, I see the industry shifting broadly within the family office space. It's still more so male dominated. And I think it just takes people not only mentoring, but like sponsoring younger women or um, people of color that don't necessarily have the same, um, access to opportunities, yep. but have so much to give. And so for me, you know, along the way in my career, there were times when I didn't want to raise my hand for a promotion because I didn't think that I could do it. And I was so mm-hmm. lucky to have um, a senior guy in my team raise my hand for me and yeah. come to me and say, like, you're ready, I know you are, and give me the push that I needed and recognizing that like you're going to have to do that a little bit more with women than you are going to have to do that with men. And so I think the more awareness we can bring to some of the barriers where like we hold ourselves back, totally. Um, I think that will go a long way. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to continue to watch because I think right now there's such a focus on how to attract and especially retain females mm-hmm. because if I look at just my trading class when we started, it, I think it was 60% male, 40% female, which is great. But I know retention-wise right. way – Right. Entry level is now so yes, much better. But, but way higher percentage of up. males. And right. that – is going to take time because we need more senior female leaders 
to build an environment that se- that younger females want to stay around for, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you for being one of those women that's going to change this because you'll be – I mean, you I'm already are a female in power, but you'll just continue. Um, and then another reason that I wanted to have you on is to talk about how to balance a lifestyle with a corporate job because I think it's very easy now for me to forget what that feels like mm-hmm. and it's it's been very interesting because you know my whole mission is to make healthy living approachable and sometimes when I take a step back and look at the content I'm putting out there and what I'm showing and talking about I question whether it's approachable anymore because I've kind of steered so far away from an average working life, if that makes sense. Um, You know, when I am doing certain things, I realize that it's not possible for a majority of the people, if they're working a desk job, to be doing things during the day that I'm doing um, and making time for things. And I'm forever grateful of the privilege that I have to be able to do that. But I don't want... You want people to know that they can do it even if they're regular. Yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you balance, and it doesn't even have to be like your healthy lifestyle, but friendships, family, time, because you have a demanding job. I think, um, I mean, meditation is a huge component in that for me. Um, You also somehow find an hour a day to meditate. Right. I used to, so so, um, Cammie and I both practice Vedic meditation with Emily Fletcher and uh, it's 20 minutes twice a day, although I, I upgraded my mantra, and now I'm th- at 30 minutes twice a day. Wait, did you get a um, new mantra? Yeah. Yeah. Does it add on to the original mantra? I don't know if I'm allowed to say, okay. but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. <laughs> it's a little longer. Got it. Um, and it's funny because initially you think, like, I, I can't afford to give up an hour of my day. I just have too much going on. There's, like, no way that I'll be able to fit that in. Yeah. And you realize that the more time that – the more time that you invest into your own mental clarity and wellness, the more time you have, number one, to focus at work. I'm so much more focused when I'm on. I have infinitely more um, in terms of capacity to give back to my friends and family because I don't need as much help and support. So obviously there True. are times when um, I do need that, but more and more I feel like I just ha- I have a lot – to give. And I think that comes from Mm -hmm. that, that mental well-being. So I wake up every, it's, uh, it's religious. You do it too. Every single day, like an extra 30 minutes early. Um, and it makes a huge impact in the way that I start my day and go into the day. It's like, I actually feel so much more present so I can be way more creative. I can be way more responsive in the moment and I get a lot more things done. So I think, um, I don't know, no matter how demanding your job or your day is, you have to prioritize yourself to a certain extent so mm-hmm. that you do have more to give back to those around you. So I would say that meditation is a huge one for me. I tried to go um, to the gym regularly. So it's my morning routine is like early morning meditation, workout if I can, or I like I, if I have to prioritize, I'll choose meditation over gym. Yep. Um, and then more and more I'm trying to eat healthy and that's like thanks in large part to you. Oh, thanks. Um, so, and, and I notice a huge shift in my energy. If I'm eating more plant-based or cleaner foods, then like I don't have that afternoon slump the way yeah. that I would otherwise after like a big meal of pasta or whatever I used to eat for lunch. Yeah, <laughs> dumplings, duh. Dumplings. Duh. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And I'm also curious how you've managed I mean it does blow my mind how you manage to do everything because it, it really does make sense to me I feel like I can never keep track of you you're always doing something incredible but have you what have you found the hardest struggle being like managing that lifestyle with your corporate job time um I definitely time is a big one that I'm always working on that I feel like living Same. in New York you have you always feel like time is running out yeah um I, I, yeah, I, I think the, at times when I struggle is when I, I take on a lot and then I feel like I'm doing, um, everything just okay rather than a few things amazingly well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think a lot of that is that 
the pressure we just put on ourselves and totally and you just you do the best that you can in each of the things that you take on and you decide what's important to you and and work and the areas that you want to give back and your friends and your family and at the end of the day I think um you make time for the things that matter uh everyone has the same 24 hours in a day and Mm -hmm. you choose how you spend them and if you think about all the time that you spend worrying about things or second guessing things like if you can reduce that even 25% like think about how much extra capacity you have to focus on people outside of yourself (laughs) yeah no I totally agree and I've even said that a lot on like the voice in my head that was whether it was critiquing myself or beating myself up or obsessing over exercise or what I was eating or how I looked as soon as I started to l- just shut the voice up and like let go of that concentration, it has opened so much space up in my life to focus on things that truly matter because yeah. those things don't, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just been really eye-opening. And so there's that. There's also think about how much time you're spending just scrolling on Instagram exactly. or social media <laughs> exactly. or watching shitty TV. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a, there is a, there's a lot of time. There's a need we, for some of it, but exactly. not all of it. And there's, for me personally, and I think it's the same for a lot of people, like, the more I do, the more I can do. Like when yeah. I have like an open day, I could waste the entire day putting, putting around my apartment, to checking this, checking, but like when I fill my day with things, I have, you don't even realize like how much can actually get done in a day. I agree. I 100% and agree. If, if it's like, when you're helping your family, your friends, or giving back, or you find a, a nonprofit that you care about, you realize that like you're energized by it. So, I I get a lot out of giving. Yeah, and can you talk to us a little bit about the charitable ways you give? Because I know there are a ton, yeah. but specifically like the boards that you serve on. Um. So my um, my mom, fifteen plus years ago, started an organization in Toronto that diverts kids out of the justice system. So restorative justice um, organization called Peace Builders. They're amazing. I think that from a very young age got me um, really interested in the criminal justice system and in all the ways that it's broken. And so that's been an issue that I've cared about for a really long time. Um, I always help in every way that I can from here. um, And mostly that's contributing financially and, and mm. helping with their annual fundraiser since I'm in New York. But I really wanted to find um, an organization here that addresses those same issues. So um, I spent an, a number of years on the board of an organization called Just Leadership that's focused on cutting the correctional population in half by 2030. Um, I'm involved with a group called The New Now, which is um, really finding ways to empower young leaders from around the world that are doing incredible things and just amplify their voices. Um, I think I think anything you can do, or for me personally, around leadership, um, personal development, coaching, helping, um, helping kids make sure that they have access to education and the resources that they need to, to survive and thrive, that to me is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to to give back in those ways, and I try to do it um, in a way that I really feel connected with the organization. So I like to um, get my friends together and host an event around a topic where you yeah. actually get a deeper understanding and connection with what that organization does, because there's there's so many out there, and it's hard to know what really resonates with you, and and so I think finding what lights you up is really important. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, again, it's rather than just adding something else onto your list of like things to do, it's it's like a give and a take. Like the River Fund is a perfect example of yeah. an organization that's incredible. And it's like you go to their food pantry on Saturday and you're handing out food to the local residents that are just so grateful that you're there and to be able to get their weekly groceries and you like come out of that energized. Mm-hmm even though you're waking up at 5 or 6 a.m. to be there, you also recognize that they everybody that's there starts lining up at 3 in the morning. You yeah. just you get a bigger perspective, too, on the world and, um, and how lucky we are. Like, we're lucky to be born 
in this country. And so fortunate. And so our success, if we're going back to success, like none of our success is just our own. It's all from the support of our friends and our family. And there's a huge element of luck in addition to grit Mm -hmm. and hard work. But I think we all have the obligation to share that and, and give it back. So, um, I'm happy to chat more with people if they're trying to figure out what they might want to pursue in the philanthropic world. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we're in such, I think, especially at our age, it's like people are potentially volunteering and then you get all the emails where it's like, hey, buy a ticket. And so a lot of it feels like it has to be all financial in a charitable way. And it doesn't at all because I know a lot of people might not have the finances to necessarily give to charities, which is like 100% fine. We're not all in a place to be able to do that. But time is so valuable for these charities. And it's something that I think about a lot where I, I had made a promise to myself that I broke of doing some type of time given yeah. charity work yeah. once a month. And I need to get my shit together because I have the time to give. Right. right. Really. It's just figuring it's out just like me. where you want to allocate that exactly. time. Um, but it is true. It just like when we're talking about the ego and like the chatter of the mind, mm-hmm. it you get way more out of it because you get that perspective that you otherwise don't have. It's like, it's so easy to become really narrowly focused on how busy we are and all the things that we need to accomplish and get done. But as we know from our friend Deepak, that's not where happiness comes (laughs) from anyway. Thank you, Deepak. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. And I feel so much more lit up from those things than really like, okay, not any amount of money, but most amounts of money that I could ever receive. Yeah. something I'm doing for work. Yeah. So finding the time and setting it aside to really do that and pay it forward. I think it's so important. And it can be very small things. I totally believe in a small act of paying it forward. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's once a day. Whether it's like swiping someone behind you on the subway or Mm. you see someone that's homeless and potentially begging Ask them what they want from the grocery store they're sitting outside. And like, I've done that. Like, okay, what can I get you inside? Go inside, get them like a banana, a bagel, and a water, whatever they're asking for. Um, And also like humanizing the people around us that that just need help or a smile. Like there's a lot of times when I don't necessarily give to people on the street, but I'll smile at them. And the response back is actually exceptional. People are like, thank thank you for the yes. smile. Like, thank you for acknowledging that I'm actually a human sitting here. Totally. And this, this isn't a homeless person, but the other day, you know, like all the people who are technically doing charitable work, but like for the rest of the population, it seems like annoying mm-hmm. when they're like, excuse me, ma'am. Oh, you look like a nice person. Can I, can I get you for a second? <laughs> yeah. You know, all around yeah. New York City. I'm yeah. like, whatever charity there or organization they're trying to get your attention on or get your information for. Yeah. Everyone's like, fuck off, fuck off, leave me alone. Like <laughs> so annoyed. This guy, I forget exactly what it was, but he's like, you look like a nice woman. Can I talk to you a little bit about like, you, I think it was like the children at the border. Mm-hmm. And I was rushing to do something and I was like, I'm really sorry I don't have time, but thank you so much for all that you're doing. And he stopped and he was like, thank you so much for saying that. Because they're probably told to fuck off 20 times a day. exactly. Like they don't need a yes. They don't necessarily need the dollar or the signature. They just want to be acknowledged. Exactly. And I walked away being like, why haven't I ever said that before to them? Because our own, th- we don't want to look bad. We don't want to, like, we feel I know. bad. You want to always, like, pretend like you're on your phone or you <laughs> right. have your headphones on. You don't hear them. Just, like, in our own yes. stuff. I'm too busy. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I also know that you're a very goal-oriented person. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious if you don't mind sharing some yeah. of your goals for yourself, whether it's career, hmm. philanthropically. That's a good question. And they don't have to be like super specific. Okay. Um, I would say I can talk about one um, that I achieved that was a really big thing for me. Hell yeah. Um, So I ran the half marathon in 2018 and I would have done it in 2019 but I got bronchitis and like was still contemplating running You're like crazy. a day before Clark and was like, like I might not be running. able to go. Um, but I've had over the years, for, for whatever reason, a bunch of 
knee injuries and anytime I would try and run more than a couple miles, like my body just wouldn't necessarily support it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy running and I wanted to get myself in, in the right shape and strengthen my body enough so that I could yeah. do it. Um, and so again, like nothing is done alone. I had an amazing, have an amazing physical therapist. Lynn Who Joe Berman, is loving. Spring Forward Physical yeah, Therapy. Yeah, wait, let's shout them out. What Honestly, Spring Forward? Spring Forward Physical Therapy. I kid you not, I went to every physical therapist in the city. No one could fix, don't it. No one it. Could fix me. I was truly about to give up. And Clark pushed me to go see Lynn. And he com- completely transformed. I mean, I have no knee pain anymore. Yeah, I Joe's broke my loving foot. Him. He completely healed my foot. He is a magician. I don't know how else to explain <laughs> him. I'm like, you think I'm a meditation pusher? Like I, am I know. I know you're a therapy pusher. pusher too. <laughs> but it's, it's funny because pe- people, myself included on certain things, are so resistant to help. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'll do it myself. I got, I got this. No worries. Like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And I I'm love like, your give impersonations. Me, I, I'm like, give me all. The, I want like a full team of support. Like, yeah. I am just so happy to embrace that. So um, between Lynn and my trainer and just like setting really firm goals around yeah. um, increasing my mileage, I, I ran the half marathon. And honestly, it sounds like such a silly thing, but no, I like at mile five started crying. Obviously, I love you. Because I was just like, wow, I'm really doing this. And it was at a time when um, I was dealing with a parasite and I had like shifted my diet to try and yep. eat healthier, to try and clean out my system. And like, that's another thing I was super diligent about that I'm like, my health and well-being is more important than my love for food. And I'll be able to eat the foods that I love at some point in the future, but yes. m- more important is that like I'm healing myself. Um, so those are two, those are two big things for me. I think for me, I, um, I really, I really want to have an impact. I would say what I'm realizing more and more is I think the, the network that I've been able to develop and the platform that I have, um, across various different spheres with family offices or entrepreneurs or various, mm-hmm. I think my purpose in life is to amplify the voices of others. And so more and more I've become focused around that. Like, I think I'm just meant to be in service. And so a goal of mine is to get out of my own way and just let things unfold as they should in that realm If that makes sense. Makes total sense. <laughs> and knowing you, I couldn't agree more. I think you're such a incredible advocate for those around you. And like I said, you love really hard and you surround yourself with incredible people. But one of your best attributes is how much you want all of those others to succeed. And like it's really from the bottom of your heart and it shows so clearly. And so I think your ability to amplify those voices that you so profoundly believe in Mm -hmm. is going to change the world. And you are making an impact. I just want you to know. I know you say you want to make an impact. You're definitely making an impact. I'm excited. I feel like there's, um, yeah, there's so much opportunity to do good. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't, you no longer, I don't think have to separate doing good from doing well. I think you can do both at the same time. Like there was a period of time when I first started working, I was like, I'm going to be the CEO of the bank and then I'm going to give back. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both and. So you can do all this simultaneously. There are incredible entrepreneurs that are building exceptional businesses and connecting them with the right strategic resources, including and outside of access to capital is huge. Yes. Um, and and one thing I'll say on the diversity and inclusion front, I um, I personally invested in an organization last year called Left Tackle Capital, which is looking to um, increase diversity within asset management. So um, providing leadership and educational training to diverse asset managers, so venture capital, hedge fund, um, various different various different investors to look at how if we're trying to shift the um, shift how many women and minorities are in finance, you have to look at who allocates capital and how they allocate capital because mm-hmm. people um, invest in who they know in their communities. And yep. so 
I think that ends up having a ripple effect. I agree. And we had a guest on here talking about a similar thing, Brandon. Oh, yeah, yeah from Harlem episode. Street Capital. Um, I met them. They're awesome. Did you? Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I really, really enjoyed getting to know and him. And we need more and more people like that because Definitely. they're a perfect example. They see, and it's fascinating because I think people are waiting to see the data around like, do minorities outperform? And yeah. the reality is that if the majority invest in who and what they know, mm-hmm. then by nature of that alone, those deals are all going to be oversubscribed. They're all going to be more expensive. The returns are all going to look the same. Yeah. Whereas if you're investing in your community that is outside of that, just by function of who you are and who you grew up around, mm-hmm. then you're going to find outliers and you're going to find exceptional businesses. And, yeah. and so you actually do have the opportunity to outperform. It's just finding those managers and making sure they have access to what they need to be successful. Yes. Second, everything you just said. <laughs> I know we were talking about how incredible you are, and I'm curious. I'm just like diverting what, the conversation away from me and no. not to others. What your favorite characteristic is about yourself? Oh, um, I, I think maybe my ability to connect with people people. I mm-hmm. think I've realized that more and more recently that um, the way that I see others and and can really understand their experience on a human level, I've learned is probably unique. Yeah, um, definitely is. Maybe my laugh. I love your <laughs> laugh. You laugh a lot, and I love it. Right, but you do connect very deeply, very easily, and quickly. You know what's interesting? That's another thing that I'll say to people who are thinking about um, shifting their career or trying to figure out what else is out there, and maybe the barrier is feeling nervous or shy and feeling like Mm -hmm. you don't have that much to offer, or like if you're asking somebody for a coffee that's really senior you know, what could you possibly say that might impress them? This is something that is practiced and learned over time. I used to be painfully shy. And you can ask Zoe, my sister, like she had, we had literally had to have a conversation where she was like, you need to learn how to ask questions and how to really, yeah, I cannot envision a shy (laughs) Julia that doesn't know how to ask questions. Isn't that crazy? It like, it took, it took, practice and it happened first in my personal life but at work I was still very quiet and I think that's probably how being a female in a male-dominated industry impacted me is that yeah I was I was a little more reluctant to raise my hand or raise my voice particularly in a meeting room or a boardroom where I just thought that maybe my opinion wasn't quite as valid as the yeah. other people around me um and I realized that if you don't participate and you don't raise your hand and you don't raise your voice, you're not actually adding any value. And and mm-hmm. no one can benefit from your point of view and perspective. And it literally just takes practice. And it's going to feel uncomfortable the first few times, yeah. maybe the first hundred times. But, like, the more you do it, the less uncomfortable it feels. And then, like, you can strike up random conversations with people on the street Love or cab drivers questions. and be like, wow, I actually really got to know that human being. You and- are, like, one of the few people <laughs> I feel like would leave a cab and know the, the person's I total mean, life story. I got invited over to <laughs> a cab driver and his son was in the car and I ended up giving him my numbers that we could talk. He wanted to get into finance. I'm like, I don't know if this is safe, but he, they seem like such a nice family. They invited me and Clark over for dinner. Shut up. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. One of a kind. You are one of a freaking kind. And then... To close the conversation, okay. we obviously have to go to food. Food. What would be the three ways to your heart through food? I thought about I know this this morning, and I was like, how am I supposed to narrow it down? I know. It's hard. Um, so I'll start with dumplings of because I really am just Asian at heart. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could eat dumplings every single day. And there's so many different kinds. <laughs> But of course, <laughs> um, I think. Wait, while we're there, 
yeah. favorite dumplings in New York? It has to be Mimi Chang's. Yeah. I mean, Clark and I will run across the Brooklyn Bridge on Sundays to run to Mimi Chang's to take <laughs> to take out and then cab home and eat dumplings. Like they're so good, and I think they're like a healthier alternative to a traditional dumpling, mm-hmm. which I think we need way more of in the city and the world. Like we need healthy Asian food. And yes. actually, I was just in Japan, and the food there is super healthy. It's like the no, typical Asian version. food is healthy. Yeah, it's, it's just the, the American yeah. version of it. Yeah, and I healthy is like a hard word to use, but the Americanized yes. version has added so many additives that don't yes. necessarily need to be included. Yes. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Preach. Um, so dumplings, pasta, favorite and, pasta dish. Oh my god! Um, I really love a good. I love a good meat sauce. Me too. Spaghetti and meat sauce, just like my probably my dad's meat sauce, just like feels like home and is so yeah. delicious. Um, I love an arabiata. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like a pappardelle pasta. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, again, I could eat literally pasta every meal for yeah. every day, and. I think the third one is noodles, like Asian noodles or noodle soup, probably You love soup. ramen. Like, love ramen. Yeah. I make Asian noodle soup all the time at home. It's truly like my, yeah, it's my go-to, those three. <laughs> love them all. And I know you're telling the truth because I get photos of them all the time. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> well, then keep eating whatever makes you happy. I'm happy for you. Yeah, is that in the, the happiness spectrum? It's like 40% of... Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I have ice cream every day. Yeah. yeah. Like, you have to have what, you know... I mean, I actually, like, sometimes, yes, in I do moderation. have it every day. But then there are days where, like, if I go a little extreme, like, if you're allowing yourself it, your body yeah. knows. Like, yeah. there are days where I'm like, I've had so much ice cream. Like, no, maybe I don't. I, I just am not in the mood for it today. I also learned how to fine. create healthy alternatives. Like, you can have chickpea pasta, which is delicious. With yeah. Whatever sauce you want. Or um, bone broth for my the base of my, like, Asian noodle soup. Uh, but of course <laughs> you would do that. I coconut love you so much. I love coconut aminos. Um, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for having me. I love you. We can you. stay here all day. We, I'm here, the I'm here all more? day. Yeah, I'm here all day if you wouldn't be like a second host with me. Um, thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you for sharing your story. Keep doing what you're doing because you're going to you change the world. You keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I love you. Love you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.